so here's a thing that may scare you or delight you. Great. I wrote questions. I love it. Welcome to Talking Simulator, a series of short conversations about video games with interesting people who play them. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and in this episode, I discuss the BAFTA Games Awards with my guest, Kat Brewster. I am Kat Brewster. I'm a PhD student and researcher at the University of California, Irvine. I like to say that I have professional opinions on video games because I've been paid for them for the past four years. And that's almost like getting a degree in something in the United States, which is where I live now. Off the back of the 2019 BAFTA Games Awards, I wanted to talk about how video games are tackled by this venerable British institution. Kat, who is not British and also hasn't played any of the winning games, was obviously the perfect person with whom to have this conversation. This episode contains minor spoilers for the beginning of God of War, the beginning of Life is Strange 2, and the Assassin's Creed Odyssey DLC, Bloodline. We also hate on Red Dead Redemption 2. I didn't play Red Dead 2 on principle. I also didn't play Red Dead 2 on principle. Incredible. I'm very glad that it didn't win any awards. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Solidarity. Um, I didn't play God of War also on principle. (laughs) What's wrong with God of War? There are a couple of things that I feel weird about with God of War. It's lack of any discernible women really bothers me. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, the mom, but she is dead. What I think is really funny is that I think her corpse is like on the kitchen table at the beginning of the game, presumably because they hadn't invented fridges yet. Mm. And they needed to refrigerate this woman. So they were like, we'll just do the closest next thing. They couldn't literally fridge her. They had to kitchen table her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. God. Yeah. So that bothers me. And also I feel since Red Dead's sort of, or Rockstar's blow up with Crunch and no AAA studio is free from sin, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. And so I just think that if a game isn't accounting for its labor practices or it's not unionized and it's not, like, trying to fix itself and it's making a game that, like, isn't trying to do anything radical or, or new in terms of, like, a social landscape, I don't know that... Like, everyone was so excited about God of War... And I'm just like, I can be excited about other things. (laughs) (laughs) I did want to ask you, I think this is an interesting question for you because you're not from the UK. Mm. So you don't have this kind of, everyone here in the UK games industry is very pleased that BAFTA is giving us their time and kind Mm. of respecting the industry. And all the, you know, five awards going to God of War made me wonder, are these awards doing a good thing? And do we need them? It's difficult, right? Because I say this to my students a lot, which is that very often it can feel really difficult to criticize things that are happening like within the games industry, because within the public sphere, it can often feel like we're fighting a much larger battle. Mm -hmm. We feel like we're still trying to convince people that video games don't cause violence, that video games don't cause antisocial behavior, that video games don't have inherently addictive properties. And so when we're saying things like, are awards doing good, like awards on a stage as big as the BAFTAs. 
it's tough because it can say to certain audiences, video games are high culture and they deserve to be respected and critiqued and viewed at a similar level as like film. Mm -hmm. And within the games industry, I often feel like games resents cinema and resents (laughs) film for always being like held as this barometer for like what is high art Mm -hmm. and like questions about who can judge what video games are better than other video games. And these are the same conversations that happen in any award circuit. Like, what are the politics of awarding a game to a certain person or a certain studio based on who those judges are, right? There are so many problems within, for example, the Academy Awards, you know, Oscars So White and all of these Mm -hmm. sorts of problems that we are experiencing the same problems that any award circuit is going to have and any benefits that we as an industry get from being held to this standard. I don't know. I think we could get in other places, but who doesn't love a big, shiny statue of (laughs) of someone's face? Of some guy's face in gold. Some guy's face, yeah. And it is a shortcut to being able to say, for example, to a lawyer, or to someone who's never seen a video game before to say like, oh, well, games get BAFTAs. Mm. And people are like, oh. It, I, it either ruins the standards of the BAFTAs or it lifts up, <laughs> lifts up the quality of games. I got invited onto Front Row on Radio 4 right after the BAFTAs happened to talk about it yeah. and ended up having a really unsatisfying conversation about the awards where I said something about the fact that God of War got five awards and what does that mean about where games currently are at and I was talking about how we are so wedded to particular kinds of games and genres like we love Mm -hmm. big budget action stuff so much and we're trying to tell new stories within those genres but we're still wedded to those genres so it means that sometimes we end up giving five awards to a game that is horrifically violent and then people outside of games go well the games that people in the games industry like ones that are horrifically violent and I was talking to people about the BAFTAs and they were saying it's a shame that God of War got so many maybe some indie studio would have deserved to win an award instead and what do you think it says about the current gaming culture that we gave five gold man's heads to (laughs) God of War to say that a game that is free from violence is is somehow more deserving than a game that has huge explosions in it. I don't know that that statement inherently has weight. Mm-hmm. Schindler's List is all about horrific acts of violence, and yet it's the, the upper echelons of cinema. At the same time, Avengers blowing up New York City left and right, you know, and that's horrific. But something that I like to talk about a lot, especially when it comes to video games, any fiction, frankly, is what makes a good story is conflict, right? And so how do you visualize conflict except for things literally kind of, I'm like, sorry, I'm hitting my fist against (laughs) each other. Things that are literally coming against each other. And so oftentimes in games, we use abstractions of violence, of things running into each other, things exploding, shooting other things with lasers in order to like really visualize what it is that conflict 
looks like and how do you create mechanically in between if your game is set up in such a way that it's like cutscene interactive space cutscene interactive space how do you continue that through line of conflict in a in a space that is mechanically driven and very often we're using violence because it is this abstraction of conflict in order to talk about it but it could you know like it could be a block puzzle i don't know like you know coming up against things i'd love to see god of war where like all violent fighting interactions are replaced with block puzzles like kratos has to push a a block around (laughs) that would be very funny to me and i wonder if it would tell the same story or if it would change the way that we're talking about it Hmm. there are some years where we're gonna give the huge awards to the games that have the most explosions and then there are some years that we're gonna give it to Rocket League, you know, where there are no humans. Cars are <laughs> bumping into each other. What does it mean about the state of the motor vehicle industry? Well, and last year, the Best Game Award went to What Remains of Edith Finch, right? Which, a game, I guess, with a lot of death in it by its very nature, mm. but not, you wouldn't call it a violent game. Psychologically violent, maybe, you know, <laughs> painful. But I, no, I, I wouldn't call it violent. And is it cliche to say something like, maybe we should be examining the state of the world before we examine the fiction which reflects it? Mm. I think what I said was, I mean, it's a game about the god of war. Yeah. So... I would love to see a game about, like, the goddess of love. Give me Aphrodite yelling boy. I don't know. That would be an excellent game. (laughs) You were talking about, you know, cinema and comparisons to cinema and how games are always being compared to cinema and how films get awards and also films, a lot of films have a lot of violence in them, like how a lot Mm. of games do. And I wonder if maybe the reason God of War won so many of these shiny awards is because it's a very, very filmic game. I mean, look at the categories that it won. It didn't win design or innovation or anything like that. It won best game, best narrative, which let's face it is just best game for a narrative game. And then it won three audio awards. It won voice actor, audio achievement, Mm -hmm. and soundtrack or music. So I wonder if you think basically people just played it and thought, oh, this is a lot like a film. Let's give it a load of awards. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely something that we as an industry use as a shortcut to talk about what is success. And it's hard to break free of that, right? Mm. Like Hollywood is such an overwhelming industry. And anytime you have any media which exists primarily on a screen, you're being held up to the same standards of other media that is on primarily a screen. And we are raised on cinema. We're raised on television as well. We use it as shortcuts to talk about other things all the time. And so it doesn't surprise me that games gets held up to, I I mean, not held up to, but held against Mm. like the successes of cinema. But it also has created a lot of failings within video games, I think, that some studios are trying to mimic the successes of cinema. Very cinematic games are not always the most playable. I do want to talk about one of the games that won a BAFTA, or two BAFTAs actually, and that's Return mm. of the Obra Dinn, which you still haven't played. I know, and here, I haven't opened it, and this is true of many, I haven't opened the game, because <laughs> I, I, I own it. It's downloaded, it's on my computer. Return of the Obra Dinn and Into the Breach are two games that I want to play so bad but I know myself and I know that while I have a PhD to do I can't double click on that icon you know (laughs) because I I have time that I have to 
partition for other things. And I know that Obra Dinn is going to absolutely suck me in. And I have seen enough gameplay of it to know that I can't open it (laughs) until I have enough things checked off of my to-do list. So it won Best Design. Mm -hmm. The other games in the category were God of War, again. Astrobot, which is a VR Mm -hmm. game, a platformer that people have loved. You know, it's their favorite VR game. Celeste this incredibly mm-hmm. difficult platformer that tells a story about mental health struggles, Into the Breach, yeah. and Minute. Yes. Which, if I was going to guess which one you would have voted for, probably would be Minute, I think. Yeah, I... Well, I don't think I would have been able to because I have friends who are on that dev team. Oh, yeah, fair um, enough. <laughs> <laughs> I love Minute. I think Minute is so clever. It's so clever, and it's so punishing, and it's so frustrating. And it, it reminds me so much of Queers in Love at the End of the World. Oh, because of the time limit? Because of the time limit, yeah. Mm. And people get very angry when they can't finish something in a time limit, mm-hmm. which is understandable. Right? Like, you know, you've been given a task to do. You want to finish it. I feel it, you know, when I play Overcooked, I'm like very, in, you know, I, I got to get these burgers out. Problem with Overcooked is that you're never finished. There are always more hungry people. There are always more hungry people. And the people that you're playing this game with are never fast enough. It's always <laughs> their fault and never yours. Minute is so immediately frustrating. In this way that I think is also very forgiving, right? It's it's just over and over and over and over and over again. And each failure is recontextualized in this, like, you're going to have to finish in a hard reset anyway. Mm. And so it reminds me of Celeste in this way, where Celeste is very punishingly difficult, mm. right? And it tells you, persevere and carry on. And I think Minute has has a very similar sort of vibe. But then there are also conversations to be had about like, well, which is more difficult? And do we want to talk about like difficulty and difficulty in games, which has been like a really hot topic ever since From Software Sekiro came out, and which, you know, brings up all these conversations about like, what is fair in a difficult game, right? And especially when we're talking about awards for games are we talking about the entire game or mm-hmm. are we talking about one specific portion of this game where its design was so impressive yeah with these awards i mean i wonder if the judges on this particular panel really liked return of the obra Dinn and gave it the award for the same reasons i did which is like this is a completable logic puzzle where all i have to do is tick all the right boxes and then i've 100 percented this game did you beat Return of the Obra Dinn? Yeah, finished it. I played it with someone else, I think, over a weekend. We just played yeah. it all weekend. Because I knew that it was finishable. Beautiful. Whereas with Minute, there are secrets to yeah. uncover, and there's you can finish the game, but you haven't unlocked everything. Mm-hmm. And I finished it, and I thought, that'll do. Because yeah. <laughs> I'll just frustrate myself otherwise. Yeah. And I wonder if the judges felt the same way. Maybe they thought Return of the Obra Dinn is such a nice package. Mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes the judges on these panels are not necessarily people who are very, quote-unquote, good at playing videos games yeah they're people with good taste Mm. obviously but not necessarily people who are like i'm gonna give this award to the game that challenged me the most yeah i mean i'm a huge proponent of like play your games on easy like Mm -hmm. look up a walkthrough if your experience with a game has become negative because you can't get past something Mm. why would you punish yourself like the world is hard enough (laughs) i know and we have so many games to play why would you make it take longer many I have a question for you in particular about Return of the Obra Dinn and the other award that it won, which is Mm -hmm. Artistic Achievement. Yeah. So the other games in the category were Detroit Become Human, Mm -hmm. Red Dead Redemption 2, God of War, 
Spider-Man, yeah. and then yeah. Grease. Is that how you say it? Apparently. So if it was French, it would be Gris. Gris. But I think it might be a different language. I've heard other people okay. talking about it on other podcasts, and they've said Grease, mm. so that's what I'm going to okay. go with. But the other games... Mm-hmm. Apart from Spider-Man, which I guess kind of cartoony, Detroit Become Human, Red Dead Redemption 2, God of War are all going for, I guess, a more realistic visual style. And that often seems to be the thing that is lauded in video games. Like, oh, wow, this is so visually impressive. There are so many pixels in this and so many colors. But the award went to Return of the Obra Dinn, a game which is black and white Mm -hmm. and made to look like a kind of Apple II game, I think. So what does artistic achievement mean? You're an art scholar. (laughs) God. You have a master's in this, right? What is artistic achievement? That's a great question. And I think some people would say that what I view as artistic achievement isn't the same as what other people think is artistic achievement. Mm -hmm. There are some people who would say, oh, artistic achievement to me should showcase a lot of technical skill and a game or piece of art which showcases perhaps some other kind of artistic skill, like conceptually artistic, mechanically artistic. But then you get into questions about like, well, what is artistic achievement and what is an achievement in design? Can a mechanic be artistic? Are the mechanics in Return of the Obra Dinn artistically compelling? Mm. Are they artful? I would say yes, but then you get into questions about like, well, Spider-Man had shaders. You know, Detroit Become Human had mo-cap. people putting all those dots on them. Yeah, mocap, that's what it's called. <laughs> if you say a game that is the most interesting to look at, Obra Dinn is very interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. It shows a real attention to what does color mean? What can I do if I take that away from someone who can see in color, right? And what does it say about this space? I think also a lot about how Robert Yang talks about hyperrealism in games as a designer and a developer who explicitly makes explicit games about gay, masculine, male sexual interactions. And people have asked him, like, why are you so interested in making games that are hyperreal? Couldn't you tell this same story about gay sex using abstracted visuals. And he says, you know, I'm going to paraphrase him here, but he says something to the effect of, I want to take back hyperrealism from this heteronormative, hyperreal, masculine space. And I want to say like, you know, I want to have sex with a man with big, oily, realistic looking muscles. Like, that's what you can do in a, in a Robert Yang game. And that is an artful intention with graphics right? Return of the Obra Dinn and having this in black and white, I think is an artful intention with graphics. Mm. And we wouldn't necessarily want to fall into the trap then of saying, oh, photorealistic games can't win artistic achievement, because that's not an artistic statement, because in some cases it is. For the past like eight months or whatever, I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I'll just like walk around. (laughs) Because it's beautiful to look at, because it looks pretty in a photorealistic way, and I can be like, oh, I'm I'm lazing on the, the white sands and the blue waters of these Grecian islands. But Jordan, is that beauty? <laughs> what's I mean, Jordan, what's beauty? It's a game that enables you to visit a place you will never actually be able to go. Mm. And in that 
sense, it helps that it is aiming at photorealism because that's the mm-hmm. point of that game, right? The point of Assassin's Creed is to take you on a journey somewhere that you mm-hmm. cannot go because it no longer exists. What does it mean to give an award to a game that constantly changes, even if it is an award for being a game that constantly changes? Fortnite. It won Best Evolving Game, a game that surely has been around for much, much longer than a Mm. year, although Mm. I guess only technically came out of early access in 2018. But people have been playing it for such a long time. The way that games operate right now on this changing landscape of early access, Mm -hmm. of patches, of how a game can, I guess, evolve. I guess evolve is is the active word here. Over time. Right, like Sea of Thieves. Yeah, people hated Sea of Thieves. I mean, it, I think it's fair to say that people hated Sea of Thieves mm-hmm. when it came out. Because mm-hmm. there were so many different conflicting feelings about what that game was supposed to be, you know? Is it a game about being out on the high seas with your pals? Or is it a game about, like, plundering and... <laughs> Fighting everybody else. I love Fortnite. I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think that Fortnite is so fun. And I think it's so fun because of its social corollaries, right? I think it's so fun because of what it does culturally. That it is a language and a landscape for youths who play video games. And I think it is so fascinating the way that it has become a space. Mm. And like, I think our mutual friend, Keith Stewart, you wrote a piece about this on Medium where I'm quoted. So I don't, you know, I don't know how (laughs) much clearer I can be about it's just so. And is that what an evolving game is? Is it a game that has had a social impact because of the space that it creates for players? It's so interesting. And I, I, I don't know. I hate saying things like video games are still a nascent medium because I don't think that they are. No, they've been around for like 50 years. Yeah. You know, and then people are like, oh, but film's been around since... And that's definitely, you know, our video games in their teenage years, is it useful to think about games in this way when there, you know, there are so many things going into them at an accelerated pace that wasn't possible for many other mediums? So, like, what does it mean that games... And again, I'm going to hold it against cinema here because, I mean, I guess we're talking about the BAFTAs. Movies, they don't change. Mm. Mm-hmm. They are what they, they're in a static space. And video games, oh, the BAFTAs given to God of War patch version 1.004.06. Yeah. Um, Which version of the game did the jury have? And what is it like now? Great question. Great question. I mean, journalists are expected to review a game for popular consumption and sale, you know, to say whether or not someone should buy a game based on the state of completion. Like, you know, you and I have both received games to review where people have said to us, like, the following things are going to be different on release, Mm -hmm. right? Don't do this, it's broken. Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Don't do this, it's broken. Yeah. Or email us if something happens and the game breaks. And to be fair, I mean, that's before the game is actually released. We've been given early access (laughs) in a way. But then games change after release as well. So I was thinking about like Mass Effect 3, right? The classic example. Imagine if that had won a BAFTA for best narrative and then they'd gone and changed the ending. Would that have still stood? Would they have taken their BAFTA away? question. 
Huge question. Yeah. I mean, I've got Odyssey on the brain, like to have this DLC, which Mm. forces your character into a heterosexual or reproductive relationship, a relationship where you can have children and, and indeed you must have children. Does that nullify a queer romance option or an LGBT potentially romance option, right? Or there's a question about like trans reproductive futurity within that space. And there's so many things tangled up in that. And is that an evolving game? You know, it it went out and then it came back because of this social landscape. Is it responsible to give awards at all when things (laughs) change all the time, Jordan? Everything's in flux. We're all going to die. What's the point of getting an award in the first place? (laughs) I feel like I should just cross all these other questions off my list and just finish it there. I want to ask about the Game Beyond Entertainment category, the one that I judged last year. So here's the description that I've got on the BAFTA rulebook for 2019. Mm -hmm. It says, For the best game that capitalizes on the unique and maturing medium of video games to deliver a transformational experience beyond pure entertainment, whether that is to raise awareness through empathy and emotional impact, to engage with real-world problems, or to make the world a better place. Entries will be judged solely on content, its emotional impact, thematic fit, and innovative use of the media. It's so hard! (laughs) Everything is so hard! Yeah, I wondered if you thought that category was well-defined or not. Oh, man, Jordan. Well, also, I need to say that, like, my brain sort of stops this category the award for this category will be given to the game which capitalizes and i was like ah <laughs> you heard the word capital and immediately I shut did, down and i was like oh no what are we talking about like what this game has social capital is an empathetic capital can you have a capital of empathy that's terrifying but let's carry on the nominees this year were 11 11 memories retold a game about yep. world war one celeste florence Yep. A game that tells the story of a young couple. Life is Strange 2, an unfinished game yeah. so far, episodic game. But also I think Life is Strange 2, I guess in the first episode of the new series, some children of an immigrant parent see their parent being shot by police. So possibly that is the uh, spoilers. <laughs> it happens very early on in the episode. I think I'm reacting less about spoilers and more about that that's harrowing. That's horrific. I've got indigestion and sweaty palms now. I'm sorry. So the winner was My Child Lebensborn, which is a game about the children of Nazi occupiers of countries during World War II. And Nintendo Labo... Which, uh, entirely separate conversation that I wanted to have, but I guess we can have at the same time. Yeah. We don't want to be the people saying, that's not a game. But Labo is not a game. Mm, Yeah, I mean, isn't it a game, Jordan? Isn't life a game? Yeah, it's it's so tough because we want to have these post-structural, what's a sandwich sort of, you know, conversations (laughs) about games. And especially in a a category that's like, oh, we want to break these barriers of what a video game can be and what it can't be. Like, video games can be sad and like fun can be upsetting so is nintendo labo like doing these things my partner said to me oh i really want to get this nintendo labo set up but i won't because then we'll have cardboard all over the house and i know that that will stress you out (laughs) so in that way nintendo labo might make me sad nintendo does provide a they sell a nintendo labo box it's made of cardboard of course that you can build and then store all your other nintendo labo inside. I also have a cat who like loves to be in cardboard boxes. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. 
she would love Nintendo Labo. So two drastically different questions here, right? But I think they, they come from the same space. Like, what is a game beyond entertaining? Which already presupposes that games must be classically or traditionally entertaining. Mm -hmm. Which I guess says to us games are understood to be fun objects. And I don't know that that's true. Games are difficult and upsetting in micro interactions and in small ways. A lot of people, I hate to bring up Dark Souls. People are always so tired of conversations about like what Dark Souls does, what Dark Souls doesn't do. But is that game enjoyable to play? Like after a hard day, do you want to come home and play Dark Souls? I don't know. I mean, I know some people would say, oh, I can forget about all of my troubles at work, my difficulties at the office and sort of like funnel it all into my experiences in this game because it's so difficult and punishing and distracting in this way I'm gonna enjoy it more but then there are other people who might say like I can't play that game because it just makes me too angry and it's an upsetting interaction with that game but the category here says this is only about content and then you have this other question about like are a game's mechanics its content or is its narrative its content and by content do we mean like the thing that is experienced by an end user or what designers put into it. And that is always going to be a really complicated conversation when talking about video games, which are an evolving medium, (laughs) whether or not they're in their adolescence or their nascent years or their baby boomers. We're still figuring it out, I think. And I think that's true of every medium. And maybe because there is a reader across so many different people, it's difficult to say like, what is an empathetic impact? Even when I say I love Fortnite, and I think Fortnite is such a beautiful landscape for social interaction, as if there's no bullying on Fortnite, as if there aren't people out there who have had a really, really negative experience with Fortnite, or to say that a AAA game that has ruined families through development cycles is beyond, you know, that (laughs) it sure did more than entertain. Yeah, God. Speaking of games that ruin families, Red Dead Redemption 2 won no awards at all at the BAFTAs, which we're obviously both very pleased about. But I wonder if you think that that is because it was a bad game or because the industry knows that it has this bad rep for crunch and awful working practices and the people who were on the panels maybe thought, best not to give that one an award. I want to be clear that... There is no AAA game that is made right now that has transparent labor practices in its studio that I know of. Maybe I'm missing some studio that bills itself as making AAA games that has a transparent work relationship with its employees that is healthy. I don't think that there is nothing come to mind. And if people feel otherwise, I'd be happy to hear. But Rockstar had a blow up because of an interview with its head honcho, whose specific role eludes me, which specifically called out this practice as not only normal, but expected, and what made the game so good, Mm -hmm. right? And so when we're saying like, oh, God of War won so many awards, and we feel ambivalent about that, but this Rockstar game didn't win awards, that's good. But nowhere is going to have a good labor policy unless they make it explicit. 
to the public. So do I feel good that Red Dead 2 didn't win any awards? I don't really care. I mean, I don't know that it's going to have any impact on unless the Academy or BAFTA came out and said, we are not going to award games to a studio that has obfuscated labor practices or that does not employ union workers. Which could happen, right? I mean, these awards are so important to the games industry that it's feasible that BAFTA could say, unless you unionize, you can't have an You're award from us. For yeah. A BAFTA. yeah. I wish I knew more about labor organizing and I wish I knew more about unionizing in game development. I'm a huge advocate for it. I think that unions are so important for protecting employees who make the thing that is what people are paying money for and whether or not that's a solid system to begin with is question two. <laughs> I can't have a satisfying answer here because I feel like the information that is available isn't satisfying. Mm-hmm. But I will say that studios which operate as collectives and do so transparently are always going to get my money for as long as, as money is valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my accolade. <laughs> my accolades. Maybe we can make a gold your face trophy and give yeah, it to great. games that came from good labor practices. That would be horrifying. And I would hate that. <laughs> I think Game Workers Unite is thinking about giving some kind of badge to studios that Mm. have good labor practices. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. I have one more award to ask you about. Okay. Florence. Yeah. Another game you haven't played, even though it would would only take you about 45 minutes. Yeah, I'm sure it would. (laughs) It was nominated for Narrative and for Music, both of which were won by God of War. But it won Best Mobile Game. Mm. And I was talking to some people after the awards who said they were very happy that Florence won an award, but it seems like mobile games find it very difficult to break out of that mobile game mold. Do you think that we will see a day where a mobile game will win Best Game? The closest I can think of is Monument Valley won Best Mobile Game and it won Best British Game. Yeah. But it didn't win Best Game or Mm. Best Design or anything like that. And I wonder if there is something about the mobile platform, even though it's now so prevalent and the number one way that most people play video games, that stops people from thinking, oh, this is award worthy. Yeah. That's a really good question, Jordan. Well written. Thanks. I hope so. I hope that a mobile game could win best game. I think that that would be great. Really shake up the industry. And this is another thing that's very interesting. And another reason why I think it's so dangerous to compare video games against cinema or other media is that people often talk about, okay, well, games you have to interact with in order to complete. Sure, games uh, can be difficult. You can't like get to the middle of a song and be like, oh, no, I can't hear the rest of it because it's hard given that you can hear. And games often require specific hardware in order to play them. And not only specific hardware, but like up-to-date hardware. It's difficult to like go to an arcade and play the latest releases. You need like beefy processors and oh, it's console exclusive. And I wonder if the reason that mobile games can be kind of denigrated is because it's a democratized form of access to games. If there is not scarcity and if there is not a degree of gatekeeping to a game's goodness. Is it good 
Is this like how someone was saying we shouldn't give Oscars to films that come out on Netflix? We should restrict mm. them only to films that come out in the cinema. Maybe a similar kind of thing. We should only give BAFTAs to games that run on expensive hardware and take 18 hours to play. I mean, there are, I'm sure, parameters that I don't understand about how award systems work and what is, in terms of like what's required of a film that is to be released in a cinema that Netflix perhaps can cut corners on because they are an online distribution model. Is there something that's different there in the way that those politics operate that perhaps is not very well known to the public? Are there certain requirements, and I'm sure that there are, that are about being released on, for example, the Apple Store or Google Play, which are not the same requirements for releasing on a console? You know, and and there are so many. And so what are they? And is that something to keep in mind? And does that impact whether or not a game is worthy of accolade. And I think very specifically in games where so much emphasis is put on playability and so much emphasis is put on the power of the player, which I think is a really dangerous mindset, that impacts award categories because of the unique characteristics of this medium. And then if that's the case, then am I saying that a game should only be awarded based on its content as determined by a panel of judges? I don't think that that's what I want to say. You know, there should be some conversation between public reception and a group of people who are experts in their field peer reviewing some object. I wish that I had some kind of answer in a way that would be really satisfying satisfying. Maybe I can get together a big group of BAFTA judges and get them all to sign NDAs. And then we'll talk about how to improve the process, get a focus group together and run a couple of surveys and practices. This can be on your PhD thesis. God, no. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for answering a gajillion questions about an awards ceremony that you had no involvement with, hadn't Mm -hmm. played any of the games, did not watch. Mm -hmm. You had excellent things to say. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be interviewed by you. Talking Simulator is brand new, so we're still figuring some things out, but you can watch our progress by subscribing to the show in your favourite podcast app. You can also follow us on Twitter at TalkingSimPod. I'm at Jerrica Weber, that's J. Erica Weber, and Kat is at KatBamKapow, with a K. Our music was made by Jazz Mickle. You can find her at Jazz Mickle, J-A-Z-Z-M-I-C-K-L-E. Talking Simulator is edited by Leamington's loveliest audio person, Dan Parks. If you need to make something sound good, you can find him at Dan C. Parks. D-A-N-C-P-A-R-K-E-S. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Talk again soon. This is so, like, academic, scholarly, wishy-washy to be like, mm, but, like, what are these categories really saying? And That's um, exactly what I wanted. Mm, but what is a category, truly? And, um... <laughs>